the return of Jesus Christ, part three. We are going to speak concerning history's final war. Armageddon is the place where the kings of the earth and of the whole world will gather to battle against God Almighty. It is the culmination of men's rebellion against the rule of their creator God. And it is God's emphatic intervention to restore his sovereignty over his created earth through his son, Jesus Christ. It is history's final war. And the objective of the world's army gathered was against Israel in this final war to occupy Jerusalem, the capital of the world. This is recorded in Revelation chapter 9, verses 13 to 16, and chapter 16, verses 13 to 16, and Zechariah chapter 12, verses 2 to 11, and Zechariah chapter 14, and verse 2, to occupy Jerusalem, the capital of the world. And this will complete man's ambition to be the master of God's vineyard. The evil one behind man's rebellion is none other than Satan himself, energizing the Antichrist and the prophet and exerting control over the kings of the earth. Revelation 16, verses 13 to 14. The first rebellion against God occurred in heaven by the archangel Lucifer, who is Satan himself. This is recorded in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 15, and Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 14 to 19. The first rebellion on earth was by Adam and Eve who fell at Satan's temptation. Genesis 3 verse 1 to 7, plunging mankind into total depravity. The depraved nature in men, motivated by the prince of this world, Satan, will be dealt a fatal blow in this final battle. And the place for the battle is Armageddon, recorded in Revelation 16, verse 16. The Greek word Hamagadon is in Hebrew Ha Megiddo. The word Ha means the, the Megiddo, the mount or the mount of Megiddo, which means the hill of slaughter. Megiddo is located on the southern edge of the plain of Jezreel where the way of the sea via Maris leaves the plain and passes through the long passage and narrow passage into the plain of Sharon by the coast. And this we saw while on the tour to the Holy Land, the way by the sea via Maris. And Megiddo 
is a strategic point at the opening of our passage because it is the great highway connecting the land of Egypt and the, in the south and Syria in the north. So you can imagine Israel as a strategic location. Below is the African continent, uh, African continent with uh, Egypt in its north. And then on top is the European continent, European and Asian continent. And, uh, and they are all connected together uh, by this little piece of real estate, Israel. And it is therefore the place where many historic battles take place. You want to go to Africa, from Europe, from Asia, you have to pass through that piece of land. And so that was a land of great contention. And the historic battles uh, took place there. Coming from the north, the armies marched past Megiddo uh, directly to reach Jerusalem. For this last battle of Armageddon, the great river Euphrates will be dried up to make way for the kings of the east to march through down the plain of Megiddo and finally to Jerusalem. Revelation 16 and verse 12. Their purpose is to destroy Israel, God's chosen people. And so Jesus must come for Israel will be in a state whereby the world's army will be gathered together against it. 200 million this final rebellion, when will it take place? When will this battle take place? This final rebellion would gather momentum at the sixth vowel or sixth bowl judgment in Revelation 16 verse 12. It is toward the end of the second half of the tribulation and will culminate at the seventh vowel or seventh bowl judgment in Revelation 16 verse 17 where a great voice out of the temple of heaven, from the throne, declares, it is done. This completes the series of God's judgment. Seven seals, seven trumpets, and lastly, seven vows or seven bowls that began at the beginning of the seven-year great tribulation period recorded in Revelation chapter 6. And the church was already taken up to heaven, 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 16 to 17, and Matthew 24, verses 36 to 41, and Mark 13, 32 to 37, and Luke 17, 26 to 30, and 34 to 36. Now, Christ will return with His raptured saints, Jude 1, verse 14, and the heavenly host, Matthew 25, 31, and 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7 to 9, to quell man's rebellion. Revelation 19, verses 11 to 21, and to establish his earthly rule from Jerusalem. Jesus Christ will return physically on the Mount of Olives and Jerusalem will be topographically transformed. The great city Jerusalem will be divided into three parts at that time when Christ returns, which was recorded in Revelation 16 verse 19, Acts 1 verse 11, and Zechariah 14 verse 
4 to 5. We saw the place of the battle. We saw the time of the battle, uh, as described in Revelation chapter 19. And now the parties. Who will fight in this final battle? Since 14th of May, 1948, Israel has once again become a nation and has been occupying Jerusalem. Long before that, ancient Israel was destroyed and scattered by the Roman army in AD 70. Modern Israel has her independence. Since her independence, fought many wars against the surrounding Arab nations. In this final war, it will be between Israel and the rest of the world. It will be Israel and the people of God on the one side versus the nations of the world on the other. The armies of the world are led by Satan, which described in Revelation 16 as the dragon, the Antichrist, the beasts, and the false prophets, Revelation 16, verse 13 to 14. So this will be the battle. Israel will be no match for the power of the Antichrist, which he would do to deceive the world, to receive the mark of the beast, and them that worship his image. And so I pray that the Lord would help us to see that we are indeed living in those momentous times. And the last three years gives us an idea of the plan of the evil one to bring forth a one-world government, to bring forth a one-world regime. You see this coming before our very eyes. And the remnant was slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse whose sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. All physical and spiritual forces fighting against the sovereign God, rule of God, their creator. So men don't want God to rule. And in this final battle, we'll be led by Satan. And, you know, today, uh, men make many telescopes, telescopes to look into the sky. Uh, why did they look for the sky? Well, as if to look for life from outer space. Well, in the occult world, they know, they know Satan knows the scriptures, they know the Bible very well. In fact, they are the, <laughs> the true adherents of the truth of the Bible. They, they confirm the veracity. So they know that Christ will have to come and He will return to defeat them and He will come from heaven. And therefore, you know, the 200 million army that will, that will be coming to Jerusalem to fight, uh, their guns will be pointing where? Up in the sky. Christ will come and this will be the final battle. And what will happen when this battle uh, takes place? The global carnage, Revelation 16, verse 18 to 20. 
And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake, and so great. And the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath, and every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. Singapore, as well as the rest of the world, will not be spared in this earthquake. The islands were fled away. We are an island, and whatever that we build here will be destroyed. And the day is coming. But let us take note and take heed. And so we see here in our study the, the final war, the return of Christ. As we were mentioning, right, the return of Christ, the eschatological complex, uh, consists of two parts. Christ's coming first in the rapture to receive the church to glory. And then this second coming, he would come together with the saints and the angels to fight and destroy the army of the Antichrist. And then he will establish his rule upon earth for a thousand years. And that is what we describe as the millennial rule of Christ. And the Lord wants us to uh, learn this and uh, to understand the Bible Presbyterian Church at her inception in 1937 invite from the dispensationalist the doctrine of the pre-millennialism. Christ will return to rule physically on earth for a thousand years. I pray that the Lord would help us to understand. Uh, indeed, we are living in those momentous times Christ will re-establish His rule upon earth. And God willing, during our uh, messages, after we finish the book of uh, Exodus, we shall be studying uh, concerning Bible prophecy, the events leading to Christ's coming again, and what will happen during those times. God has not forsaken Israel, we praise God for the spiritual heritage that is given to us to have the proper biblical perspective to view this decaying world. The belief in Israel's restoration, in Christ's second coming and her preeminent role during His millennial reign is a blessed one. This doctrine is called covenant pre-millennialism. God has not forsaken Israel, although Israel has forsaken, rejected her Christ. All references to Israel being restored to hate the nations of the world in Christ's millennial rule mean exactly and literally as, they, as we see in the last chapter of Zechariah. The nations of the world gather themselves together against Israel and our Lord Jesus will save Israel from certain destruction. This, vivid, this is vividly revealed to us in Revelation chapter 19. And our Lord Jesus Christ 
he is called the faithful and the true as recorded in Revelation 19 and verse 15. And he will ride on a white horse with a heavenly army to judge and make war against the nations. Revelation 19 verse 15a says, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he shall smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. There are three views concerning the millennium. Pre-millennialism, post-millennialism, and amillennialism. We shall look at it one by one as we revealed it. Firstly, premillennialism, the belief in the literal earthly kingdom presided over by Christ himself, implies that Christ will return before the millennium begins and is thus termed premillennialism. This is the biblical view based on the literal method of interpreting the Bible. Premillennialism is supported by much convincing evidence, the telling of which filled many a massive volume. Once the literal interpretation of prophetic scripture is accepted, we are almost overwhelmed by the amount of revelation that is available. This kingdom will be on earth, not in heaven, as is told to us in Psalm 2 verse 8 and in Isaiah 11 verse 9, where Christ shall reign as king over the earth. Zechariah 14 verse 4 and verse 9 and verse 16. Psalm 2 verse 6. Ezekiel 37 24 to 25, Hosea 3, verse 4 to 5, Zephaniah 3, verses 14 to 17. And this kingdom will be absolute, as described for us in Daniel 9, verse 27. And he shall judge the world in righteousness. So, all the earthly kingdoms that we know of, beginning with the Babylonian Empire, the Middle uh, Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire, which we are living now uh, towards the Ten Toes, uh, will give way to the, the empire of, or the, the kingdom of Christ. Uh, he will rule uh, on earth with true justice and true equity. Then peace shall finally come to this war-scarred planet. And if you think about, you know, the history of the world, uh, you realise that out of uh, many thousand years of history, there is hardly, maybe about, calculated uh, 200 over years without war. The rest of the time was great war. And the last century was hailed to be a millennium of peace. But look what happened in the last century. We had the First World War. We had the Second World War. And that we have many other wars, the Korean War, the Vietnam War. And we see how uh, there was great devastation as a result of war. But Christ, when He returns... He will establish peace upon earth. Israel shall have a final 
permanent return to its homeland. Amos 9 verse 15. Isaiah 43 verse 5 to 6. Jeremiah 30 verse 3. Ezekiel 37 verses 21 to 22. And Ezekiel 38 verse 8. And Christ's kingdom, Messiah's government, shall center in Jerusalem. That is why we saw the battle of Armageddon earlier, the history's final battle. Micah 4 verse 1 to 2, Zechariah 2 verse 10 to 12, and Zechariah 8 verse 4 to 5. And there will no longer be violence heard in the land, Isaiah 60 verse 18. Israel shall rebuild its temple, Daniel 9 verse 27, 12 verse 11, and Ezekiel 40 verse 248, the millennial temple was recorded, and will be a redeemed people, Jeremiah 31 verses 33 to 34, Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10, Zechariah chapter 13 verse 1, verse 6 verse 9. Redeemed Israel shall then become a messenger of salvation to the Gentiles. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 11, 8, verse 23, and Malachi 3, verse 12. Who shall believe and become part of the family of God. As is recorded in Romans 11 that we, that we have uh, studied before, Isaiah 11, verse 9 to 10, Isaiah 42, verse 6, and Isaiah 60, verse 3. However, there will be a certain geographical changes. Zechariah 14 verse 4, Isaiah 11 verse 15, Haggai 2 verse 6 to 7. With fertility restored to the land, Amos 9 verses 13 to 14, and great changes to the animal kingdom, Isaiah 11 verse 6 to 9. There will be peace in the animal kingdom. There will not be any more uh, animal, eating animal, uh, they will all uh, become vegetarians uh, at that time. And then there is the post-millennial view. Post-millennialism is the view that Christ will return after a thousand years of unparalleled peace and righteousness on earth. Revelation 19 described the second coming of Christ to save Israel from the Antichrist and the armies of the world in, the man, in mankind's final battle before the millennium, described in Revelation 20. Therefore, this view of post-millennialism is untenable. The scripture does not permit it to be interpreted that way. This view found its principal origin in the writings of Daniel Whitby, 1628-1725, a British Unitarian, in other words, he doesn't believe in the, the, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as the triune God, who held that a kingdom of righteousness and peace would finally be brought to earth by our brotherhood and sisterhood, the triumphant progress of Christianity and the power of the church in world affairs, bolstered by the Industrial Revolution and the emerging evolutionary view of humankind. It came to its greatest strength in the 19th century and early years of the 20th century. It taught the triumph of good over evil and a coming thousand years of peace and prosperity 
prior to the return of Christ to earth. His coming would then be post-millennial. This opinion is well stated by the theologian A.H. Strong as a period in the latter days of the church militant when under the influence of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of the martyrs shall appear again, true religion be greatly quickened and revived and the members of Christ's churches become so conscious of their strength in Christ that they shall, to an extent not known before, triumph over the powers of evil, both within and without. Such a view is overly optimistic, as was recorded in the Dictionary of Premillennial Theology by Mal Couch. And it fell into disfavor before the angry violence of two world wars. So when the world war came, uh, this, uh, this view was totally untenable, isn't it? And it was also at that time that the Bible Presbyterian Church came into its existence, 1937, uh, during the time where the Second World War is uh, uh, in progress. Uh, at that time, uh, China, Japan uh, was in the midst of turmoil. Uh, the war in, between China and Japan was uh, in 1930. Uh, it began when Japan invaded Manchuria. And then it drags on right, for many years, right, all the way uh, to 1945. And so uh, we see and uh, learn uh, the, that uh, the Pres Bible Presbyterian Church began in 1937, uh, was uh, uh, a return to view and interpret scripture uh, in a literal sense, according to what the book of Revelation describes to us in its chronology. And then there is the R-Millennial view. The R-Millennial view holds the position that Christ will come after a spiritual or heavenly millennium of unspecified period of time. This is the view of the Reformers, where they had no visible witness of Israel in the promised land. So John Calvin did not write uh, a testimony or a, a commentary on the book of Revelation because he could not envisage at that time in the 16th century the formation of Israel. You see, Israel was no, long, no longer in the land. Uh, it was occupied by hostile people. So in his own mind, he could not fathom uh, the day when Israel would occupy the land again. And therefore, the, uh, the reformers did not hold the view of a literal millennium. So he did not write the book of Revelation. But we, living in our time, in hindsight, with Israel coming into its existence on the 14th of May, 1948, we are able to see uh, the fulfillment of this prophecy. And therefore, we can understand why our forefathers adopted uh, the doctrine of premillennialism, that Christ will return and rule for a, a thousand years literally on earth. Our millennialism uh, denies a literal future kingdom of Christ upon the earth, 
holding that the kingdom is spiritual rather than a future reality. It confirms that the return of Christ, if literal, must be a single event accompanied by one general resurrection and one general judgment, all of which will take place at the end of time. This popular modern view is frequently traced back to the teaching of Augustine in 354 to 430 AD. And we know that John Calvin was a follower of Augustine, who taught that Satan was bound at the first advent of Christ and that the millennium is spiritual rather than literal, associated with the Roman church, and to end about AD 650. When this date failed, his followers extended indefinitely. For Augustine, Israel and the church are simply one people. The church now on earth is both the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of heaven. Christ's kingdom promises no longer apply to Israel, but are transferred to the Christian church. That's a false view. If you read the scripture, you'll find that Israel is still Israel in the future days, and God still has a plan for Israel. So in our church camp, Several years ago, we had one series uh, whereby we spoke concerning the revival of the nations of Israel uh, for help, to help us to see and learn concerning uh, this, the truth of this doctrine. There are many weaknesses attached to the millennial view. Its roots were in the Alexander School of Interpretation, whose teachers such as Oregon and Clement Arrogarize the scripture. In other words, not literally puts it, so, you know, it's anybody's guess, in other words, uh, to make them conform to the views of Plato. Uh, Plato is a, uh, a pagan Greek philosopher, while declaring that the kingdom in a spiritual rather than a literal reality, it is a heavily divided eschatology. It became the standard view of all liberals, the view of the Roman Catholic Church, and also the doctrine of many evangelicals who are attracted to its utter simplicity and the avoidance of considerable prophetic detail. And so if you were to take out this, you realize that you take out a large chunk of the Bible. In fact, in every eight verse of the Bible, you will see the return of Christ spoken about more than the com first coming of Christ. And so the Lord wants us to see and learn, and I pray that the, the Lord would uh, guide us. Uh, we are going to uh, explore more uh, concerning uh, what will be uh, in the millennium. Uh, having uh, gone through the three views, may the Lord help us. Let us pray. Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word. Strengthen us and help us to grasp and understand the doctrines of the last days concerning Christ's return and His establishing of the millennium after the war in Armageddon. Strengthen us, help us to search the scripture, to know thy truth and to prepare uh, for thy coming. Strengthen us for thy own namesake, this I pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen.